Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to episode number 428 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's KB and Matt coming at you from Underground Studios. We got a lot to dive into with the teams that just continue to give you headaches. Uh, we're going to get into the Sixers. We're going to get into the Phillies. And, of course, we'll get into Survivor as well towards the end of the show for the real ones. But before we get started, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Matt on Twitter at MattCastarina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, UndergroundSportsPhiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feeds, where we are number 82 on the Apple podcast charts for sports in Armenia. Uh, go subscribe, Apple, Spotify. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews on both of those platforms. Help more people find the show and play with those algorithms for us. And, of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search Underground Sports Philadelphia. Uh, we don't have a custom URL yet because you need to get to 1,000 subscribers to get that. So go subscribe. Hit the like button. Click the bell icon so you don't miss a single video. Just dropped our uh, official teaser for Just a Kid from Vineland, our Jamil Demby docuseries that's coming to the YouTube channel. Um, so go check that out as well as all the full video episodes of your favorite underground sports, Philadelphia shows on our YouTube channel. Big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main auto LLC, Ducharms pro foot security, 21 security systems, Paul J Gillespie incorporated, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the dental wellness center of Vineland. And of course, Tomahawk shades, best small batch eyewear in the game. Go to tomahawkshades.com. Use promo code USP for 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. Kenwood Beer, go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. you got to be 21 or older to do so, and of course, please drink responsibly. What's going on, Matt? <sighs> Living the dream, I think. Game six is upon us, and what would a game six be without the Sixers being down 3-2 after... One of the most entertaining and enjoyable performances in Game 4 to just be let down and embarrassed in Game 5. Yeah, at least the letdown was pretty quick. Yes. Um, didn't uh, It wasn't a kidney punch. It was clear from the start that the game was only going one way and the Heat were winning. So, yeah, I think what it's like 85% of the time, the team that wins uh, to go up 3-2 in the series wins the series. It's hard to see it going any other way uh, because even with Embiid in Miami did not play well and Embiid is obviously still struggling through injury um, took a hard hit last night and I mean it's been obvious he's not been able to play at the same level which is not surprising when you consider the injuries that he's dealing with 
Um, last night he like leapt up to keep a ball in bounds and was like limping around afterwards, holding his knee and his back. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, at what point like, are we just, uh, just put us out of our misery? Um, yeah, I, I, I only see this going one way now and that's the, the Sixers being eliminated in the second round again, not, not even making it to the conference finals. Um, which is just going to be a huge disappointment. And this year hurts in a different way than, than many other years because um, it's mostly just this Embiid orbital injury yet again, uh, start a freak thing happening to you that is essentially deciding your playoff fate because I firmly believe that not only if he's there in games one and two, but that if he's just healthy, you know, mm-hmm. even with the torn thumb ligament, um, which we've also forgotten about, <laughs> he is essentially like two season ending injuries. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you know, if if this was a team that wasn't in the playoffs and those happened with like two or three weeks left in the year, that'd just be it. Um, he'd be shut down, or I, it's just so frustrating um, that this is the way that it happens, and that you get the performance like you did last night, which is just totally sucked, totally apathetic, uh, couldn't hit a single shot, and it sucks. It's a it's a it's a tough spot to be in as a fan. To be fair, the series hasn't started because nobody has won on the opponent's court. Well, it'll end tomorrow if someone <laughs> if they do that. So, um, yeah, it's just it just sucks. It, you know, like again, the Embiid stuff is is really the crux of all this for me. Um, if he's if he's there in games one and two, we've seen you know the two games at home, what a difference he was. Yep. And um, last night. I, <laughs> The Harden, like, uh, driving to the, the rim and throwing his hands up as the ball gets stripped from him, that hurt. Uh, Yang not being able to hit That's anything. been tough. Tough. Maxine Tobias, not a good night last night. No one had a good night. <laughs> and, you know, deserving of getting... Matisse Thibel better hope he finds, like, divine intervention. Because... I Listen, you need to speak to the Lord. Just need to speak to his doctor. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Because it's going to be a long off season for for Buddy if uh, something doesn't swing his way in Game Six. Well, I, I think uh, the off season in general is, is going to be fascinating because I felt that you know almost more excited about the prospect of having an off season, knowing they have Harden and Embiid. And listen, you know, like whatever the negatives are about this season, and, and there are some issues, of course. But when Harden and Embiid have been healthy on the floor mm-hmm. together. This has been a team that rolls and, and is very good offensively. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing how this team evolves over the summer. I think we've we've pretty much resigned ourselves to this team as not. Even if, like, by some miracle, right, you force Game 7, maybe even win Game 7 in Miami, I I don't see us beating the Celtics or, or Bucks in the shape that Embiid is in right now. Like, there's just no... And all that does is just guarantee Doc Rivers another year. Right. Um, well, I mean, even Doc Rivers... <laughs> even if we had got gotten on the first round, I don't even know because you know he has, uh, I think, two or three more years on his contract, and he's getting paid like eight million a year. Um, now listen, Josh Harris and all those other snakes are terrible people, mm-hmm. but um, one thing you can say about them is they've been not afraid to spend money on the Sixers, at least on you know contracts, um, for the players. <laughs> not <laughs> yeah, that, that's about where that line ends, but um. You know, they have been willing to throw money. I don't know that they're going to be willing to throw, you know, almost like $30 million to get rid of a problem. That Especially they since they're already still paying Brett Brown. Right. 
um so that sucks and that's <laughs> that's the part that hurts too um because it feels like where the Sixers are at is in almost like defiance of uh of doc and um yeah i mean you're, you're just seeing uh you're seeing a team that is <laughs> that's mvp player is like just very injured and uh and can't put the same level to it and um unable unable to cope it sucks like and also i love him but fuck you charles barkley like what are we talking about it's it's just like the the most lazy that's what listen i know that people love the tnt halftime show i think it has like good bits I think it's like a good comedy podcast and the best comedy podcast is still one that's pretty unlistenable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better just like in highlight and clip form. I like when like the clips of something funny and outrageous they did uh, just ends up on my timeline. Yes. But I, I also, I can't watch any, there's not a halftime show no. or intermission show that I don't mute and like just go do something else mm-hmm. or like scroll through Twitter or like I'll read a book in like 15 <laughs> minutes. Like, I, there's not a, and this is not even just NBA. This is every sport. Everything. I yeah, literally I could not care less about what these talking heads have to say about the game because it's always just like vapid nonsense. It's like these guys clearly don't watch the games. They don't care. <laughs> like, and they make jokes about how they don't watch the games. So why should I care what they have to say? Yeah, I, I thought it was like, it's really just like out of line to mm-hmm. say that Embiid is, insinuate that Embiid is um, not playing his best because he's upset about not getting the MVP. Um, it's just dumb shit. And what annoys me too is Charles Barkley's a player would have been so thorny if someone said that to him. Mm-hmm. He'd been so prickly about it, and now here he is, as a talking head, uh, saying just dumb, dumb stuff like that. I don't know. Like it's just that's lame to me. Like Embiid is very clearly doing everything he can. To, like the dude is playing with a, a broken face, uh, a torn ligament in his thumb, like lingering concussion issues. Like he's just. I don't know. He's giving it all. Like, you can't... We won't walk away from these playoffs thinking that Embiid, like... Mailed did, it in. Yeah, mailed it in, or, or could have could have given us any more than he did. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't appreciate those comments. And the TNT crew, I think, in general, is kind of overrated. But that's every halftime show. Yeah. I think it's just not interesting stuff. You're trying to fill and keep people's attentions just so the commercials can play and and people and the advertisers get their money that's the whole point of a halftime show the only halftime show i'm looking forward or post game show i should say i'm looking forward to is next week uh mlb on tnt because jimmy rollins and chase utley would be on it but that's the thing is like you're only ever looking for this over like, oh, yep. the guest to appearance or whatever like when it's just like again it's not even just the tnt crew it's literally every every halftime show every a lot the of post game shows it's all just the same crap it's like what do they need to do better well they need to Open up the offense more. Great. That's like, that is impactful analysis. That's great. That's like super, super, super smart stuff there. What did you make of uh, Embiid's comments about the MVP and then absolutely coming after Bill Simmons? I don't know if you saw that. I didn't see the Bill Simmons stuff. I saw that he just said um, he doesn't know what more he has to do. Yeah. And I don't blame him. (laughs) He he said that he brought up Bill Simmons saying, uh, fuck Jalen Green on his podcast or not Jalen green uh is it who plays for the rockets yeah yeah um and he said he doesn't know why somebody who has a platform like that that also gets an mvp vote is allowed to get away with saying something like that that could alter the, the opinions of i think the context of that quote though was them joking about how people would 
it's almost funny. Like, I think I think they were joking about people would aggregate into what they said into them saying fuck Jalen Green when they don't actually mean that. Um, I don't know. Like, it sucks. Yeah, I mean, the Bill Simmons stuff is weird because they do constantly talk about these stuff. And, like, I think it's a lot of these big guys that have podcasts and have national attention is they can so easily sway, I think, people's interest mm -hmm. and there are tons of people too that have votes that shouldn't have yeah. votes the, the russell westbrook is still getting mvp votes like people like that should not have a say in this process um we've said it time and time again that like the like why digital media people don't have right votes like, i guess bill in, simmons in, has his yeah, from their when he was writing at is, grantland and that stuff. is like zach lowe is like digital media to them yeah to, to them is digital media right um i don't know what mb does with an mvp um it's which, but not to be like sore losers about the MVP stuff because whatever, Jokic is a great player. But here's what bothers the hell out of me with all this stuff: is it only? It's a regular season award, right? Mm -hmm. The regular season is like six months. Five out of those six months, unanimously, Embiid is the MVP. Jokic has a great last month, and it felt like to me with some bias as a Sixer fan and an Embiid fan, it felt like to me there was a national kind of just change Sway, in yeah. the tide, and it was based solely around, like, analytics. And, yes, he had an outstanding season. He was, like, certainly worthy of being in the MVP conversation. I, I don't want to make I don't want to make it out to be, like, Joe just completely undeserving. It's a robbery. But, like, for so much of the season, it was Embiid's award, and he carried this team, literally carried this team when Ben Simmons was sulking and not playing this entire year. He was the reason that this team is so competitive. You only have to look back to when he was out with COVID in the fall and see how terrible this team was without him and then how great he was and how great the team was when he was playing to understand that this guy, and he was fucking won the scoring title. Yeah, <laughs> first one since Shaq. First big man since Shaq. To win the scoring title, and he's not the MVP. It's just like, he's so dominant. I I just don't get it. I don't get why that, I don't get why the last month of the season matters more than so much. It's when just, all it's talked about is the last month of the season is like such a drag, and it's like we're yeah. just trying to get through to the postseason. Like, they had to create the playing game to stop teams from tanking yeah. the last month of the season because that's how irrelevant it had become. Um, I just think it's dumb. I think it's it's... A lot of it was recency bias, and a lot of it was just this, like, national upswelling of support for Jokic. Whatever. It, it just sucks. I agree with him. I don't know what more he has to do. Um, he did. He he has every season come back and improved in ways that all the, the criticisms have been about with him uh, time and time again. And he was healthy this year, um, played great, was dominant, scored, like, like mad is still great defensively too and does yep. not get nearly enough credit for how good he is defensively uh if you're talking about like someone that should be a defensive player of the year candidate he should be in that mm -hmm. conversation it also really fucking pissed me off that marcus smart oh my god wins, uh defensive player of the year because now all of a sudden perimeter defense mattered but it, it doesn't fucking matter last year when ben simmons <laughs> is locking one through five down because we have to give it to rudy gobert um and now this year all of a sudden perimeter defense matters because yeah. marcus smart was good at it okay <laughs> That's just, you know, not that there's an anti Philly agenda, of course, but I'm just saying it just sucks. It sucks when the narrative doesn't pull your way, and I feel like Embiid. I guess I honestly think it came down to him getting hardened, and I think people admit it as such, which again is just dumb shit to me. Yeah, that's Embiid the can't control thing. that. Embiid can't control 
what the front office does. He can't control that Ben Simmons sat out the entire yeah. season. But what did he do about it? He didn't bitch about it. Nope. He and played. He just shut the fuck up and played hard. And <laughs> like, tell me if I'm wrong, too, because I, I got in a couple arguments this week. Am I crazy to say that the Eastern Conference was a more competitive conference this year than the West? Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week. And it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. From top to bottom. From like, yeah, like 1 through 12, probably. Um, the West got a lot more challenging post-All-Star break, I would say, though. Um, because a lot of the like playing team, The playing teams in the West are better than the playing teams in the East were. I would say it's pretty even. I, I wouldn't say it's like... Because my argument, past- too, was like, you had a you had a San Antonio Spurs team. Well, yes, they have, they have Murray and they have some pieces, but... They finished 12 games under 500 and qualified for the playoffs because yeah. of the play-in tournament. Every team that qualified for the postseason in the East finished at minimum four games over 500. Yeah, I would say the East, like, one through, like, six especially mm-hmm. were, like, top-level teams. Um, whereas, like, the West, it was the top two yeah. that were, like, far and above Maybe in the regular three, season. If you if you throw, like, Memphis, Golden State. And right. Well, so like, it, yeah. So the Suns were like head and shoulders above everyone, and the Grizzlies really separated themselves. Mm-hmm. So the, and for the Warriors, it was unfair just because they had dealt with injury issues. But if you're just talking regular season, the Grizzlies and the Suns were like far ahead, yeah. and there was like a cluster from like three to six. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the East, I mean, the Nets at a point were toxic in right. the East. And I think everyone has forgotten too. Um, everyone forgets at a point too. Kevin Durant was an MVP favorite this this season. Mm-hmm. That happened. I won't. <laughs> I won't. I won't forget things as quick as everyone else had. Um, I don't know. I would say. I would say the conferences are, are pretty, pretty even actually. In the past, the West has been the much more like challenging conference. Yeah. I would say this year, the East and, and West pretty balanced in uh, in terms of like challenge. But I also think Ryan Phillippe had the tweet of the MVP uh, announcement. He said, oh, it stands for most vulnerable player. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, too, is, like, there's nothing wrong with advanced stats. Um, but I remember I remember looking that someone was, like, digging through Jokic's stats, and his, like, rookie season is graded as, like, one of these best advanced stats seasons. Like, there's just something about, like, the things that he does. I don't know if it's because it's at the position that he is where they just overvalue, like, his assists and all that, but... There's like something about his play style that I guess advanced that just really love, which is fine because he's a great player. Again, I don't want to diminish Jokic; he's amazing. Mm-hmm. But like you, I just it sucks. It sucks watching. He didn't dude. really like my argument that I make is that from 2020-2021 to 21-22, Embiid leaps and bounds improved his game exponentially. Where Jokic kind of hovered around the same that he was last year when he was an MVP, which is great. 
But when you're talking about the MVP, you're talking, and I, I brought this up on Sunday show too, like more so the last, I'd say like half decade, the NBA MVP award has really also been inclined with like storyline factor of it's, that it's NBA very season. Narrative. It is a narrative driven award. And give me a moment in time where we weren't talking about Joel Embiid dragging the, the, the Sixers across the finish line of the trade deadline to get to where they were and then to make them, you know, the team that they were to get to the four seed and, and get into the playoffs where they sure, were. I'll, t- I'll tell you exactly when. It's after the Harden trade. And yeah. that's when people soured on him because now he wasn't like... Which also I feel like is like just anti-Harden There's bias. definitely There is definitely a lot of like anti-Harden bias. And speaking of Bill Simmons, like the number one perpetrator of that, which is so weird because... One of the only things that Bill, like Bill Simmons is like a smart guy. He literally wrote a the book of basketball. It's a great book. Understands NBA history well. Like I don't like whatever. <laughs> but like one of the very few things that he's been right about in his career was he was genuinely one of the first people to bring up how fucking insane the Harden trade was from the Thunder. Now it's like been beaten to death. Everyone has talked about it. But he, I remember, was one of the very first like especially like national figures to talk about how insane. That was for the Thunder to do, and how they didn't need to do it, and it was an ultimate like what if moment in the NBA. And he's a guy that understands NBA history, and like, yeah, fair enough. Like, but it's so weird that that was like one of his like big shining gems, mm-hmm. <laughs> like post Grantland, and now it's like that's Harden has become this like nemesis for him. I get that Harden has like these moments where like maybe he's not, you know, maybe he doesn't look like he gives the most effort, maybe he doesn't give a shit like LeBron does or whoever, but like. I don't know, man. He's still amazing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's just the weird hate for him. Had, even when he wasn't a Sixer, I never felt that way about Harden. Yeah. I don't know what it is about some people with him, um, but they just have a, a, a placement on him <laughs> like that. I, I just don't understand. But they, yeah, they really don't care for James. I, it feels eerily similar to last year right now with this team. Like, last year was way point. worse. Last year was way worse. Well, I'm uh, saying like leading into game six where it's like game five, they lose. Now we're going into game six and the expectations. I couldn't are- disagree more. I thought this team should have absolutely blown the Hawks out of the water. And I was more just pissed off that they were blowing big leads. This is that's that hasn't been this series. This series has like the narrative from last Hawks series last year was uh, Doc sucked because he kept forcing these all bench lineups and that was partly because too we didn't have great depth we didn't and ben simmons refused to shoot a basketball he was shooting 34 percent from the free throw line he's getting hacked and clearly was like a shell of himself um seth curry could not defend to save his life in that series those are like the narratives that i remember from that series this series is like literally to me all just about Embiid having a fucking broken face <laughs> like and he can't see and he can't shoot because he has a torn ligament in the slump that's it that's where it ends for me Nothing else matters. Like, I think we beat the Heat if those things don't happen. Like, I just, I think it's completely different because last year, like, we should have 100% beaten the Hawks. There's no excuse for it. There still isn't. It was a, like, epic collapse. This year against the Heat, it just feels like we just got supremely unlucky that Embiid catches uh, an elbow to the face and tears his thumb ligament somehow, like, all in the same series before the, like, it just sucks. And that's just it. I, I don't know. I, this year, it just feels more like 
going into it knowing like resigned to your fate whereas last year felt crushing because it shouldn't have happened that way then there's there's no answer <laughs> there's there's no explanation for for why it, it went the way it did last season still and i'm just at the point where i just don't know if this team will ever get out of the second round of the playoffs they may not <laughs> I, that's there's no comforting answer to that when you look at the bucks and celtics um hard to convince me that those teams in the next two or three seasons are going to be worse i mean anything can happen of course but um two or three years in the nba is a long ass time but it's a long ass time for Embiid. you know how many more mvp years are you getting out of Embiid? who fucking knows <laughs> like it's impossible to say um harden is a question mark going forward like i think he'll be good for the next year or two but you're likely signing him to a four or five year deal what does Harden at 36 look like? Who knows? I don't know. I think I think the Sixers can still like evolve as a team. I'm interested to see what happens to Tobias this summer. We do have like obviously a great piece in Maxi. There is there's hope and there's like value within this team, but it's gonna take some work for sure. You know to to get where you want to be, and you're gonna need some luck. You're gonna need Embiid to knock it elbow in the face. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna have to do with him. And I don't know what he has to do to win MVP, but maybe we'll find out next year. Maybe the narrative will be in his favor. Are you buying into the conspiracy theory of Schmal Schmorford? That uh, where he, the fuck was that guy? I don't know. <laughs> where who was he that is. Al Horford? In what a fucking loser! I can't tell you how much I hate that guy. Um, like where was that Al Horford at any point? God, at any point in his loser. Sixers tenure? What an absolute loser! Um, the absolute just like drooling and groveling over Al Horford on the timeline the other night made me sick to my stomach. It's cause people have short memories. That's Ugh. what I've learned is that people have short memories, and and like to, like to forget <laughs> the way things ended sometimes. Because the the theory that he was uh just a a spy from within starting to make a lot more Maybe sense. Maybe Udoka was. <laughs> maybe, hey, maybe it was all just like him, a, Josh Richardson, uh, a next a next level uh, 40 chess move. Who knows? It's tough. <sighs> tough day to be sexer. One thing that uh, we can we can just celebrate Brett Brown one more time. Did you see his uh, his son committed to Penn? Yeah, congrats. Glad to know that uh, Josh Harris is paying uh, his son's tuition money <laughs> at UPenn. That's cool. That's good to see. Um, at least the Phillies' bats are uh, coming to life. Yeah, out west they they beat the Mariners today. They beat them on Monday. Lose a disappointing one last night, but oh, I thought you were talking about when they were uh, they gave up seven running seven innings, <laughs> seven runs in an inning, and collapsed to lose eight fucking seven against the bat. I thought that's where we were going oh, no. with that. Okay. I think we had enough sadness in the Sixers segment. We don't need to harp on the fact. That no, they... I'm. I was. I was pleasantly like happy with with the bats out in Seattle. Oh yeah, it's looked great there. <laughs> the, that uh... was one of the worst collapses ever. And you know what's hilarious? I was scrolling the timeline. I flicked the game on for just like 30, 40 minutes, and um, I saw a tweet that said the Mets, by the way, are plus five thousand to win. And they were like, if you know our Phillies and you want to make some money. You should do that. I was like, I should have done that. Yeah. I would have. <laughs> well, Matt, our, our favorite game uh, 
still looking up for the fills, go to playpickup.com. It's the NLE's run differential. Play along with us all season long at playpickup.com, playing the hottest headlines in sports, including the NLE's run differential prop. Uh, build up your fan profile. You win points for getting the props correct. Anybody can play. It's free to play. And then you cash those points in for prizes on the pickup marketplace. Go to playpickup.com. The NL East is, is very consistent across the board, in the middle at least. Uh, the Mets leading the way at 21-10. and 10. They have a plus 38 run differential. The Atlanta Braves, Miami Marlins, and Philadelphia Phillies all at 14-17. and 17. Uh, The Braves, though, a minus 8 run differential. The Marlins a plus 9. And the Phillies a plus 10. Uh, and then the stolen franchise, Washington Nationals, at 10-21 and 21 with a minus 32 run differential. Why, why haven't we gotten to play the Nationals yet? Right? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> why did we have to play, like... Even the Braves. Like, like, 10 games. Yeah, the Braves. Don't get, don't get none of that sweet early Braves season action. We um, played the Mets, like, 10 times. It's absurd. <laughs> the, uh... I, I just always laugh. Because it always happens. Everybody on Twitter clamors, oh, you know, is, is it time to start having a discussion about Reese Hoskins because he's slumping? We, we've we said it time and time. Reese Hoskins is one of the most streaky players in all of baseball. It's just who he is, and we've come to terms with that. But when everybody starts talking shit about Reese Hoskins, that's when he comes to life, hits a grand slam today, has like four home runs out in Seattle, and just – double flip the bird to every single hater which i love i love seeing reese hoskins just get hot uh and silence everybody um this is a great stat by the way from johnny heller uh since the start of the 2019 season the phillies are 47 and 17 when reese hoskins hits a home run it's pretty nice that's pretty damn good (laughs) call that a victory cigar in some uh some circles um the thing is like reese is like what the sixth guy on this team yeah <laughs> like everybody's still thinking it's like 2017 the 13th in terms of payroll like <laughs> reese is not everyone you know what's funny is everything that everyone levels against reese you could say the same about real muto about schwarber so far this season um it's just so weird to me like if the way people talk about reese is the way they should people should talk about jt and yes i fucking love jt but we've talked about this offensively going, at least but we've been going back years with JT with he like is terrible in man on base situations. Yes. Like the perennially is like you look at his like stats after game, he's like, like nine men on base. Mm-hmm. That should not happen. No. <laughs> like I love the guy, but again, the, the things that people level at Reese apply to a lot of players on this team, and I think he does get a lot of unfair criticism. This is from Philly's notes, too, which is official account run by the Phillies communications department. Reese Hoskins' career, Matt, 252 extra base hits and 330 walks. Can you name the other play, the only other players in Major League Baseball with as many extra base hits and walks since Reese Hoskins' debut date on August 10th, 2017? There are only two other players. I would guess Mike Trout has would be my first guess. You would be incorrect. Incorrect. Don't Mike Trout. Uh, how many extra base hits? Uh, two hundred and fifty-two extra base hits and three hundred and thirty walks. He gets walked a lot. Who's like we're not fucking pitching this guy? Bellinger? Did Bellinger at like? No, but it is one of Bellinger's teammates. Mookie Betts. 
Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman. Fucking Christ. 280 extra base hits for Freddie Freeman. 335 walks. Jesus, Freddie. The other. How many of those were against us? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say uh, 300 walks were against the Phillies. Uh, the other player is uh, Reese Haskins' teammate, reigning MVP, Bryce Harper. Nice. 260 extra base hits so and 389 Two walks. of those guys on the same team. Yeah. The... <laughs> no playoffs. <laughs> That's cool. Damn, Freddie Freeman. Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already know. You already know. I think that's how it always goes. Like, like, we're like, minutes, and we're at, like, Chelsea. <laughs> what are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Bins time. What's up? We're back. But that's also like what you have to take into account. Like Reese gets extra base hits. Yeah. He walks a shit ton because he knows how to take at bats. And when he slumps, it happens. But when he gets hot, you see a series like we just had against the Mariners. And like he you can said, single-handedly win you a series. Right. Like, and even on a smaller scale, he can single-handedly win you a game. Yeah. Uh, which he did today by hitting that grand slam. Um, and like you said, he's like the sixth guy in terms of offensive production that you're looking for from this Phillies team right now with all the players on this roster from Bryce to Nick Castellanos to JT to Schwarber, uh, even Gene Segura you're looking for from offense in, in a different you know, output than Reese, but re it's not 2017 anymore, guys. You you don't need to be thinking of Reese Hoskins in the grand scheme as like the guy on this team. You could do a lot worse as than yes. Reese Hoskins in a, in the position. Like is Reese like the locker room leader guy that you want? Absolutely. But he's not like the guy who you should be looking to right now with the current construction of the Phillies to be the guy like carrying your offense. There are guys that are paid a lot more money that should to be do a lot more, a lot more uh, to help everyone, not just Reese, but yeah, the, the Phillies problems has just been consistency and boy, they got a, they got a big storm coming. They Dodgers certainly have a big one. <laughs> Dodgers coming up. That's not great, but Padres coming up. Yeah, Padres are manageable. Dodgers, I Zach Wheeler coming off the COVID list and right into uh right into LA. That's tough. Hey Matt, <laughs> but th since the Phillies did win today, I am pleased to report they won a series. Oh God, thank Christ! So what, that's just that's just that the Rockies series and the Athletics. Yeah, only series we won this far this season. That's depressing. 
very depressing. That's, that's pretty upsetting. <laughs> Doesn't feel great, but all all teams with uh with, with not so great records. We're a team without a great record, so very you know, true. Yeah, two series against the Dodgers within the next uh, week. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> and then the Padres, but then we get the Braves. I think great for four. When and do then, we play the Nationals? You know who we play the final weekend of the month of May, Matt? Oh, Christ, the Marlins? The fucking New York Mets. Oh, great. God damn it. I'm so <laughs> sick of playing them already. It doesn't get when any do better. When the Nationals though. come up? We do not play the Washington Nationals until June 16th through the 19th. Why? <laughs> In Washington, D.C. Oh, and then we God. play them July 5th, 6th, and 7th. August 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th. Uh, I think we September 9th, we 10th, like, and 11th. Them late in the season, like real late. And then October 1st, there's a doubleheader, and October 2nd. Man, Christ. That's so strange. Usually, like, your first month is all just division. division. I don't know if that's because of, like... I don't know what happened with that. Because I know, like, starting next year, I think it is, like, there's going to be more interleague play and everything like that. But Which is cool. The weird stacking of just so many Mets. And, and, like, yes, you want to – you love the the built-up rivalry and everything with the Mets coming back. But, like, we've seen the Mets, like, the Sixers see the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. It's, like, the – I wish we saw them like we see the Hornets. Jesus. The, the amount of times we've seen the Mets already, and it's only May 11th, is insane. Yeah, it's not it's not fun. Like, thank God one of the, the rained-out games got pushed to August, because at least there will be a, a meaningful game, hopefully. For the Mets <laughs> to lock up the division. Um, yeah, this is the first time we've played the Marios, Marios, <laughs> Mariners since uh, 2017, I'd seen. so. There was a, um, a wild stat that the talking baseball account tweeted we have the, out. We have the Manny Machado uh, series coming up. Yeah, <laughs> Manny and Bryce. <laughs> Do you think they'll invite the uh, the electrical contract worker who, uh, <laughs> to throw out the first it's, pitch? It's not too late. It's not too late, Manny. We've seen some wild stuff uh, in Major League Baseball the past couple days. Did you see Anthony Rendon hit a <laughs> opposite side of the plate home run last night? I did. That was very hilarious. Good for the Angels, man. Yes. Good for them. Um, and then the Orioles have a series against the Cardinals this week. And this is the first time the Orioles have traveled to New Bush Stadium, which has been open for 16 years. They're the last team to visit New Bush so, Stadium. Like, that kind of stuff just, like, how? You know, like, how is, how is that just not happened? Granted, it's interleague, but still. That's almost two decades of... A team not traveling to one city to play the like the opponent. No one, like no one there has any clue. Like we've never been to St. Louis. I don't know. <laughs> and think about all those Orioles teams that were good, That's... and they never once went to St. Louis. That's just stupid. Sixteen me. years. That's so stupid. <laughs> New Bush Stadium. Cardinals. God damn it. Hate that fucking team. <laughs> oh, oh man. God. The goddamn Phillies. But yet, yeah, the Dodgers. Hey, they won a series. You know what? They Let's won- be happy. Yeah. 
We'll, we'll put the put the blown Mets game behind us. Um, that's the one that makes you like I call that the uh, I call that the garbage disposal game. That's the one. There, where well, there's to, two of those this year. Because well, that's the one where you have to con- like you have to convince yourself when you go out to get a glass of water, so you, you can like try and stop yourself from vomiting. You stare at the the garbage disposal and try and convince yourself to not put your hand in it. I've done that um, twice against the Mets this year: the the eight seven collapse and the no hitter. Yeah. Well, the no hitter was just like to me. It was just uh, like just long dread. Like this sucks. Yeah. The, the collapse is like all right. There's my will to live gone. <laughs> the only positive I took away from the the collapse game against the Mets was that I forget who it was. I think it might have been John Heyman who tweeted it, of course, um, saying that that was one of the greatest comebacks in Mets history. And I'm like, I'm glad a regular season game in May is classified as one of the greatest comebacks God, in a team's have, history. As a people, they don't have much. <laughs> that made me feel a little better the Mets about have, myself. The, listen, the Mets are good. They still have nothing. And I'm going to hold out on that because you know what's going to happen, don't you? It's not June yet. No, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Nationals won a World Series. Don't put this evil into my brain. <laughs> the Braves man. won a World I'm telling you, man. I'd it's rather all- see the Marlins win a World Series before. It's, you know, if the Marlins won a World Series, no one would care. No. It's like the tree falling in the woods. If the Marlins won a World Series, d- did it actually happen? Because no one saw it. There's no parade. Can you imagine? Okay, so let's just... The Marlins win a World Series. Can you imagine being the person? Because there's someone whose job this would be to coordinate a parade. What does that even look like? That's like just like a trip to Publix. <laughs> more people would I like more people go to like an alligator farm than go to to Marlins games. There are more people getting their arms chewed off by rogue alligators than there are going to Marlins games. So yeah, I would rather them win it. But I'm yeah. telling you, some bad, some bad happened. Well, something, something bad happened the last few years, and I'm telling you, it's not good. 2015, they went, and we've said they're like the cicadas. So it's gonna be another 17 years. We'll see them in 2032. Maybe, maybe. I'm just worried. Is all I'm saying. The tea, the tea leaves not great for us. I, I'm, I'm That's very it. intrigued now because obviously the Mets are off to a very hot start, but I want to see who they've played this year. Uh, because a lot of us. <laughs> obviously, they've played us, but looking at this Mets schedule, they've played Washington, they've played us, they played Arizona, they played the San Francisco Giants, Arizona again, they played the Cardinals. They played more of us. They played the Braves. More of us. And then this week they're playing the Nationals. So, theoretically, in terms of good teams, it's the Giants and the Cardinals that they've played this year, I think, that are above 500 right now. Yeah, well. Because the Cardinals are 16 and 13. We could put away bad teams like that. And the Giants are 19 and 12. Wish we could could beat the bad teams. So. All the Mets fans just, out there. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I wish we could play the Diamondbacks twice already. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't like the feel of it. That's it. That's fair. I don't either. But There's I'm a, also putting stock listen, in. It's not Memorial Day yet. The storm is on the horizon. Maybe it blows past us. I am just saying. I feel it is my duty to remind everyone. Maybe. Maybe close the windows tonight. You know. <laughs> That's it. 
If the Mets win a World Series, I might just be done with it. That's when the hand goes in the garbage disposal. That's that's when. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might be more than just a hand. Man, I just I couldn't handle that. I don't know what I would do. After, after watching the Nats and Braves do it, and know that we <sighs> need something to change for these Phillies. Tell you that much. Hey, Kyle Schwarber, eighty million reasons to play a little fucking harder. How about that, Chief? Did you make some contact, Chief? That'd be cool. Yeah, it's like, didn't we hire your hitting coach for a reason? He looks like a fucking HVAC repairman. Which, no disrespect. Critical part of to our society. I'm just saying, I would trust Kyle Schwarber more replacing my like central air than I would leading off for the Phillies. That's the kind of face that he has. Do you think Girardi makes it through the season? I don't think anything about Girardi. That dude is a ghost. You know what's crazy is how underperformed the Phillies are. That dude is like Teflon. No one has said shit about him. No, it's crazy. Even last year, no, not a word about Girardi. I and feel like we're too, the only ones. I feel like this year too. It's like ah, it's fine. It's someone else's fault. <laughs> it's the players. And maybe it is, but there should at least be a question. I think it's because right now the Sixers are like the most prevalent thing. You know, so mm -hmm. I think the the attention has not quite fully been on a. Because I said after the Mets collapse game, like the fact that he walked away still with his job intact was a disaster. His life, I think, is uh, is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I, I yeah, I remember when they said he was going to add ten games to the win loss column when they hired him. I struggle what to a think. Time. I don't know that there's a manager in history that you could say that reliably about. Now, like you could get lucky. And things are just go your way and you get those. But, like, you, for a fact, you get that manager, you're adding 10 games. I don't think there's a manager in history that you would that you could actually make that case. You know who did, but it was because of outside circumstances? Alex Cora. Yeah. He brought in the Apple Game Kapler last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had it about 100 wins. That was some luck, though. The Giants, that was a little. Hey, they're little... seven games over five. That's cool. Seven games over. Hey, they won their division. What happened in that first round? Oh. Oh, you're telling me Gabe Kapler couldn't fucking hack it in a tight spot? That's crazy. Never seen that before. What's his policy on a uh, uh, hotel sexual assault? Said he good at those? No. Okay. Remember that? <laughs> Nobody talked about that either. Nobody talks about that anymore. Fair enough. Fair All we talk about with Gabe Kapler is that opening day game against the Braves. And he was ahead of the curve because now no one gets past like 70 pitches. Nope. <laughs> it doesn't matter who the fuck you are. It doesn't matter if you're Clayton Kershaw and you're pitching a perfect. Get the fuck out of the game. <laughs> the computer told us so. <laughs> I've never seen like the seven pitchers through a combined no-hitter more than I have in the last two years in baseball. And now, because that's all it is now. It's so stupid. No Cindergarten. Uh, well, uh, the cheese it Index said that if you go beyond 63 pitches, your likelihood of going deep in October is not great. We all know the traditional Big Four sports, and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest-growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens 
as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Nerds are a disease. Noah Syndergaard absolutely trolled the Mets, too, on uh, on Instagram last night when the Angels threw their no-hitter, and it was just one pitcher. He made, like, just absolutely trashed them for throwing a combined no-hitter instead of one guy doing it. Hey, I've always said this. I love Noah Syndergaard. Same. Great guy. He's going to look great in Philly's pinstripes when they trade for him. <laughs> I don't know, man. Might be, might be a trade going the other way there. I don't know. Uh, This team. This goddamn team. Shall we talk about uh, the one thing that brings us joy, Matt? Sure. Survivor. Brought to you by our friends over at Bino. The boards are here. And I uh, can't wait to start recording Bino content on the YouTube channel. You guys can go to BinoBoard.com. That's B-I-N-H-O-B-O-A-R-D.com. And use our code BinoUSP for 10% off your entire order from our pals over at Bino. Matt, another... Uh, Wild episode of Survivor in the books, and you hit the nail on the head. It looked like uh, High was on the outs, and he certainly was. Got blindsided, and he goes home. Yes. Um, I didn't think it would happen that episode. I just thought he was in danger because he had voted off Lydia, voted off Chanel. It felt like um, a lot of the people that he had worked closely with, he was voluntarily voting off, it seemed at least. Um yeah, then Tori's gone, someone that he potentially could have worked with. Um, and it felt like, too, the, the break point might have been when he wanted to get Roxroy out, um, which was Omer's invention, and sort of, like, incepted that into his mind. So I think he just lost a little bit of uh, trust with Mike and tough. I think, uh, I think just that some pivotal parts of the game. And it's hard, you know obviously but i just feel like missed a few steps and that sucks because he's a fun player to watch but um gone with the wind as they say uh it feels like like last year obviously very solid cast but it feels like the remaining members of uh season 42's cast going into tonight's episode as we record this on wednesday like strongest group left in a while at this point yeah, of the game. I would say this remaining cast, I think, have played the game better. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the people in season 41, I think, were like a little more interested. Although the cast this year is also interesting. Yeah. But I just, I feel like the dynamics of last season at this stage were, I don't know. I just think the cast was a little more exciting. I think yeah. People like, I feel like we also like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because we hadn't really had Survivor and that's mm-hmm. part of it. But, um, yeah, I feel like some of the characters there were like more, more root forward types of people, whereas this one is just like, wow, love what Omer's doing, good player. Feels like there's a lot more like strategy and like physical element too. Left yes, at this point of the game that we've seen in a very very long time. Yeah, it's, I mean Jonathan has made it this far in the game. Even Mike has Mike. made it this far in the game, which is surprising. Someone like Lindsay has made it this far in the game. Has been quietly she hasn't won challenges, but um, well she won last week. But yeah. you're like. That was her first time, but she had been at the top of the right. challenges. Like she's someone that uh Drea. Drea has been really good at challenges. Quite a week from her last week too, by the way. But I guess a lot of the action was like away from 
her sphere mm-hmm. of influ- influence, it seemed like at least. I'm curious where Drea's spot is right now exactly in the game. Um, it just feels like she doesn't have like a strong alliance, which can help and hurt you, I think, at this stage of the game. In some ways, I think it might be good to not mm-hmm. be tied to a person um, because I think there's, there's some chaos afoot. You know, you still, oh, have, yeah. you still have Romeo out there. Um, Marianne. Marianne is definitely attached to Lindsay and Jonathan. Got but her Lindsay idol and, back. Lindsay and Jonathan, yeah, got, got the idol back, <laughs> amazingly. <laughs> um, but Jonathan and Lindsay have both seemed willing to, like, cut ties if they have to. Yes. And Marianne is on to that. She's not, you know, she understands that, you know, <laughs> she's not, like, their, uh, you know, like, their number one option. And she's, like, good enough that she can make some noise on her own. Um, yeah, and then you have Omaru, I think, is just, like, it's kind of the, the, the sun for this, like, solar system here. But, like, so much of this game now, I think, is revolved around him. And I don't I don't know that this has been quite noticed yet. So, it's yeah. a lot of interesting dynamics. In, uh, He's in like the puppet part. master in the dark. Just nobody realizes it. He's been good. He's been really... I've been, like, again, last week, really impressed with him. Really impressed with Lindsay. She's had... If you're talking about, like... An Erica edit, yeah. Where you know, going into the merge, she you barely got a lot out of her, and now all of a sudden, you know, every week you're hearing her like most intrusive thoughts and how her gameplay works. Yeah, Lindsay has done that, and she's looked amazing. That's what I'm saying. That you got picked. If you're if you're a woman from New Jersey, I'm I'm backing you all the way. If you are a firefighter from somewhere in the Northeast, I'm backing you all the way. Those people, whatever it is about them, Jersey girls do great in Survivor, and so do firemen uh, from the Northeast. <laughs> There it is. There's, if you're if you fit those two categories, apply. You apply, do great. <laughs> what are your expectations for uh, tonight's episode as we get set for it? Um. Well, so my my survivor votes, my fantasy survivor. I put two on Romeo just because mm-hmm. I think you can never discount at this stage of the game. Maybe people just want to go to easy vote or yeah. something happens. Right. This is also potentially the do or die episode, which was not a twist that I enjoyed last season. I just I don't like it. Um, that could lead to something very random happening um, and actually someone going home as a result of it. We didn't have that last season, but um, that can't be discounted. I think Jonathan could be in some trouble. I think people are aware and aloof to the idea, and I think people are kind of happy to potentially move on from Jonathan um, because he's not proving himself necessarily be the best like strategic partner. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jonathan, I, I would be a little worried about. Romeo, I'd be a little worried. Mike, maybe even? I think people could be aware, like, but Omer's really attached to him. Yeah. But again, if you're talking like a do or die thing that just happens, Mike could be uh Mike could be on that. Not too many people left for us to do uh <laughs> it's three tough. up, three down, but I, I think you and I both agree, like down wise, it's like Romeo. Romeo is it's it's tough to see him winning, but he is still like a a person that I think has a lot left to do in this and then game. I think he Jonathan. can do something. Jonathan, I think, has to be down that bottom three, and I think Marianne. I think those are the three that, for me, Jonathan can still win this game. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to see Romeo and Marianne doing that, um, but Jonathan, I think, based off everything we've seen the last two weeks, it's a tougher road for him. That path is narrowed a little bit. And then uh, I still think Omer is kind of leading the way. Mike is there because he's conjoined at the hip to him, and uh, you know Lindsay winning last week I think was big. Because then she kind of, uh, you know, forged her own kind of mini alliance by bringing the people that she did on the reward challenge. So we'll see how that all plays out. 
Uh, we're going to go watch the new episode. Make sure you guys are following us on the socials at Underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feeds, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there and leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. Hit the like button. Comment down below. Click the bell icon so you don't miss a single upload from our YouTube channel. And a uh, big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course Tomahawk Shades. Use promo code USP at checkout at TomahawkShades.com for 25% off your order. Uh, pick up, go to playpickup.com, start playing the hottest headlines in sports from our homies over at Pickup. Kenwood Beer, go to kenwoodbeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker. See who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. Got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And Bino Board, go to binoboard.com and use our code BINOUSP, B-I-N-H-O-U-S-P, for 10% off your order from our homies over at Bino. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 428. For Matt, I'm KB, and until next time, we are signing off. Peace.